I would say don't pigeonhole yourself into being a science student. And I think that's a flaw in the programs right now, especially back at U of T when I was there. Science courses and business courses ran at the same time. You couldn't attend both, you know, so you really very much had to choose. And I think that was something that I lost in my education was just being able to have that generalist approach. I think it's important to be able to know what you want to do, but don't go into science because you want to go into med school or you want to be a researcher or etc. Like this is the only thing that you're going to accomplish. Have a goal in mind, like one of those things, but be flexible and realize that like perhaps that's your end goal, but there may be a topsy-turvy process to get there. So what are things that you can do to equip yourself to succeed in that interim period? I think something that it's tough to deal with and is a reality for, medic for many students is like the multiple application cycles for a graduate program and what that means to like take a year for an application cycle and what you're going to do, especially when you finish undergrad. And I think if you don't prepare yourself for a situation like that, where you haven't built enough connections, where you don't have enough experience, you may be stuck doing the classic routine, waiting for an application cycle to work out. Welcome back to Spindle, the show where we speak to driven and exciting individuals in science to highlight the many paths available to science students. This time, we're speaking to Rashawn Dindial, who's a MD-MBA candidate at Tulane University in New Orleans. He's the founder of Memories, a health tech startup working to redefine dementia care. Rashawn earned a bachelor's degree in neuroscience and biology from the University of Toronto. And in today's episode, Rashawn talks about his path from getting his undergraduate degree in three years, to working at Uber and Maple before going to medical school, what it's like to lead a company while in medical school full-time, why he decided to attend an MD-MBA program in the States, and more. Timestamps, as always, are in the episode description. All right, Rashawn, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you for having me, Jay. For sure. So to start off, maybe just walk us through your educational background and what you're working on now. Sure. So currently, I'm an MD, MBA candidate at Tulane University, class of 2023 in New Orleans. And prior to that, I completed my undergrad at the University of Toronto, it graduated in 2017 with a major in neuroscience, a major in public health, and a minor in biology. And I am currently working on Memories, which is a health tech startup that I founded back, I believe, in 2017. I started working on uh, toward mid part of the year, and otherwise, I've gone through the MBA and MD coursework. All right, sounds good. And you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned, you know, memories. You mentioned your MD MBA program. So there's a lot of stuff there that I want to get into. But before we get there, I just wanted to rewind a bit and talk about your undergrad experience. So you finished your undergrad in three years as opposed to four. And so was there a specific factor that led you to decide like, hey, you know, I just want to finish in three years and go work or what catalyzed that decision? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think it's an opportunity that's available for many different students. The way it worked at my uh, undergrad was if you had like satisfactory grades and the school wasn't worried about you academically, then they would like you, allow you to take courses above the recommended course load. So you have to get approval in terms of the process. But for me, it was mostly due to the fact that my closest mentor in undergrad was a lab manager at a lab that I worked at since high school through my undergraduate experience. And he got into med school and he finished his degree a year early. And it was in, it was at the University of Ottawa, that med school. Harish was my mentor and he, 
wanted to have his degree finished before leaving undergrad. So different than American med schools, for example, Canadian med schools, a couple of them you can get in before completing your undergraduate degree. But in case anything happened, he wanted to make sure that he had that degree finished and that he worked hard enough to to get it. So he did that. And I figured if my mentor is doing this, I might as well got to do it. And so it was something that I had in the back of my head. And honestly, I think as school progressed year over year, you get into your more senior classes, it's a lot easier to time manage and understand what the expectations of each class are. So it's mostly just fitting the extra courses into a schedule and executing less of it being like a very demanding thing. Gotcha. And so leaving undergrad, I'm assuming you knew for certain then that med school was something that you were interested in? Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I gave myself an extra year to fit, to like do things is what I felt like I had by graduating a year early. And I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do um, to fill that year. I had an idea and that was to complete a master's degree in either public health or the one-year master's of science in global health at McMaster. And then I would apply to med school in that process. I figured I had a period of time that I wouldn't have normally had, and I wanted to get as much education as possible. So I was going through that process. I was accepted to a couple programs, and then I ended up declining to work at Uber, which was an opportunity that was supposed to be just uh, like a quick summer job for me. I ended up really enjoying. So going through that process, I think I ended up spending a bit more time in the health tech and and in the, the tech space than I expected, but wouldn't regret it. So you mentioned working at Uber and how that turned into, you know, a year long stint as opposed to a summer job. And so I want to go back into that a bit. But just quickly before that, what kind of a person were you in undergrad in terms of clubs, societies, research? Like you mentioned, you know, you were interested in medical school. So were you jumping through all of those hoops or was there anything else in particular? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I think you really have to identify the kind of person that you want to be, I think, as early as you can in undergrad and how you want to spend your time, because that's what's going to fill in any personal statement. That's what will fill up an application for different things. So the earlier part of my undergraduate degree, because I was lucky to start in a research lab, I had exposure. Um, I was able to work on different projects. And the sad thing about science, I would say, especially getting some lab experiences, most of the doors are closed for you until you have experience working and you can't get experience working until you start. So I was privileged to be in a position where I had a co-op at my high school to work at a lab. So that opened up a lot of doors where I knew different faculty. I was exposed to them early. So it wasn't something I was too worried about. So I spent a good part of my first year doing research with the lab working with clubs that I was interested in. So neuroscience is something that I was interested in. So I did a lot of the psych and neuroscience programs. I started a club, Aspire to Inspire, which was a mentorship program for high school students where we would train mentors at the university level to go back to their schools and provide some support and coaching for high school students, which I think was a product of my mentor, essentially me feeling very grateful for that experience and feeling like I had support going into university and understanding that outside of students that have like a once a year career day or like university fair, they don't really have a lot of information on like how to apply for OSAP or what's it like to live in residence for the first time and et cetera. So I was working on that a lot and then focusing as much as I could on learning how to learn well is what I did in the first year so that I, I had a feeling that my schedule would be a bit overloaded in the coming years. So I wanted to be able to be, able, I wanted to study as effectively as possible and, and get that skill under. 
And then as the years progressed, I became more and more serious about school, as you need to be. I would say if you want to apply to a competitive graduate program, grades do matter, incredibly so. And it's also a foundation to any sort of professional testing that you want to take, whether that's like a GMAT or an MCAT, understanding what you learn in undergrad is essential. So I did spend a lot of my time in the library and studying. And to uh, my detriment, I did spend less and less time over the years in social situations, whether that was like going to parties or events or hanging out with friends outside of studying. That definitely took a hit in order to get where I wanted to be. Yeah. And then I would say the last thing was I did a lot of campus response, which was a really cool experience. I recommend if you're a science student in general or any sort of student, there's usually training programs available for each campus response program. I met some of my closest friends there. For somebody who's interested in the health science or medicine field, being able to provide any sort of care and see how you feel in that situation, I think is a great exposure and tool. Yeah, I mean, campus response, I feel like a lot of people don't really look at that or see that as a potential opportunity. But like you said, it's a it's a way to actually, you know, put yourself in the shoes of people that are there or actually be the person that's there and providing that care. So you've mentioned a couple of times your mentor going into undergrad. Maybe speak to that a bit, because you've mentioned that they've been instrumental in helping you sort of decide, you know, hey, I'm going to do a three-year degree as opposed to a four-year degree, for instance. So maybe speak to that and the influence that they've had. For sure. Yeah. And I, I'm always been a huge proponent of mentorship and it's something that I'll always be I think at each stage of my career and whether that's in education or in work I've done my best to seek out mentors and I've been lucky to find folks to be able to support me and it makes the world difference I think experience is something that you can only gather from spending time in a field or just having more years somewhere so as a high school student going into first year the mentor for me was Harris who was the lab manager at the Andrade lab which I used to work and he and I clicked essentially after the first interview for me to come into the lab we became really good friends I think he I was very clear in my desire and want to get into med school and essentially my thirst to just do well. And I think that's something that he identified with. So he did take a lot of time while I was still in high school, showing me the ropes of what it's like to be an undergraduate, what it's like to work in a lab, how to be a manager in that setting, how to deal with different resources and people in the lab setting. And then when I got to university, I think some of the best feedback and advice he ever gave me was being incredibly honest. I got my first set of midterms back in undergraduate after I had done the undergraduate frosh experience where like I spent a lot of time getting to know people, going to as many events as I could to establish a social network. I spent less time than I should have at school studying-wise. And I think first two courses of like whether that was like just core biology and regular chemistry, which I absolutely despise. I think I got between a 75 and a 78 on the midterm. And I was like, well above the class average at that time. And I was excited. And it was like, incredibly disappointed in me. And the feedback was quite clear that if this is what you're satisfied with, that you're not the sort of student that um, I was expecting. And I know you want more. And if you want to do more, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Not that I did poorly in this, but if this is a standard that you're excited about, you're only setting the bar low for yourself. It was incredibly hard. I think I went home and cried, truly. <laughs> This is somebody who I, I very much respected and I got that harsh feedback from. And since then, I'd never done similar scoring to that on an exam. And that was an incredibly important moment for me to realize that like, it's truly a ceiling that you set for yourself in terms of capability. And if you believe that you'll do higher, then you're going to do higher. So it's all about expectation management. And that's something I got from him. And then seeing his work ethic and being able to finish in a couple of years, I think it became some sort of a, a little bit of a competition for me to be able to match and then su uh, surpass some of the things that he accomplished. And I think we took different paths in terms of the 
activities that I completed versus his. And I think what that really instilled in me is like a drive to do better for myself. I just want to transition now a bit into looking at what you mentioned earlier about Uber. You said that after the summer, you decided to return for a year and then you ended up working at Maple the year after that. So what were those couple of experiences like? You know, what did you what did you learn? What were you working on? Yeah, I think so I was interested in doing a public health degree in the meantime before I went to med school. So me finding Uber and the Uber Eats team was actually me looking for a job in like nutrition. <laughs> and then food came up, which was quite funny. And the interview process was quite intense. It's a very large company at the time that I, I was applying. And it was like a four stage interview process. And by the time I got to the in-person interview, the only sales experience I had or business development was working at Dollarama in high school, working as a sales associate at the Pan Am Games. And then Experience-wise, me finishing undergraduate early was actually a huge plus um, to be able to show sort of my hustle and work ethic. So a lot of that interview process was me just saying that I am able to effectively communicate, um, able to handle and manage my time, and I have the skills to be able to learn how to adapt in this situation if you give me the opportunity. So we did sales role play and stuff like that, and I solely had no experience in that, but I think I was very receptive to the feedback and the energy that I brought forward to the interview was well received so my manager advocated for me and then we he became a wonderful mentor for me actually I was brought onto the team and I had a fantastic experience in sales I was working with the Uber Eats team I had the opportunity to train in New York to work on sales across Canada to go to San Francisco attend sales conferences learn from some of the best folks in the company some of my absolute closest friends to this day were some of the original people that I worked with on their Uber Eats team and then my manager was aware of my background in science. So when there was opportunities to work on data-driven projects, like a self-serve project with the San Francisco product team, I was selected to do that. I had the opportunity to get specific sales training and time month after month, I became better and better, which was fantastic in terms of metrics. Sales is a very metrics-driven role and field in terms of compensation and opportunities for growth. So that was really great. And then towards my tail end of the, my period there, it was because... I had the opportunity to work with the Uber Health team in San Francisco. I reached out to the general manager there with my interest in health tech. We chatted numerous times about implementation in Canada and Europe, what that would look like. And ultimately, if I wanted to work on that team, I would have had to move to San Francisco after spending more time at Uber. And that's not something that I was um, equipped to do at that period of time. And so though the conversations in that health tech setting really made me realize that okay, there is an opportunity for me to combine my interests of like health and science with technology, which I'm really starting to enjoy. Let me look for an opportunity where I can do that locally. And that sort of led me towards Maple. But I would say to sum up Uber experience, it was the best job I've ever had. I think everybody there is incredibly talented and very conversational and intelligent in their own different ways, whether it's from their background or emotional intelligence or their confidence. And my whole approach to that as my first full-time job outside of undergrad was to be as much of a sponge as possible, learn everything that I could, read as many internal company documents as I could, read as many sale books as I could, and attend as much meetings, be a voice that was heard, but one that wasn't annoying, which I think is a very good advice because there's usually a lot of all hands and meetings and things that you can attend. And you want people to know that you're there by offering good content and by making good suggestions and et cetera, but you don't want to be commenting on everything just to be heard, for example. So I think that was an approach that I took. And I really, really enjoyed it. And then, yeah, the Maple experience was something um, completely different. I 
was looking for companies. I felt that as in a little bit of the driver's seat when it came to me looking for jobs after that. I had worked at a, a great company and I knew what I wanted to do. So I looked specific. And this was maybe three, three, four years ago now. Health tech was just starting to get big in Toronto. There was a couple big companies. Kira was one of them. And so I reached out to a couple startups that I knew were hiring mostly directly to the CEO just to be able to chat and get a feel for them. I applied through LinkedIn for the Maple position and I talked with their CEO very early, Dr. Brett Belchitz. But Dr. Brett Belchitz, I think, is a fantastic entrepreneur and worked as an emergency physician throughout his time while building the company and the rest of the co-founding team. And he was a McKinsey consultant right after finishing his medical degree. And business has always been something that's important to him. And he was able to manage both sides of the coin. And that actually made me interested in an MBA program, which isn't something that I considered. And at the time I joined, I was employee four at the company, I believe. So I thought this would be a really early opportunity for me to take a bet on a company, which I think will do fantastic. They have. They're pretty much the most well-funded company in terms of telemedicine in Canadian history. So that's fantastic. And I thought it was a great opportunity for me to learn. However, I was leaving a larger startup to go into a smaller setting. So different work experience, totally different vibe, but that's the long answer. All right, gotcha. And there's a few things there that I want to connect in the sense that you mentioned you realized combining health and tech was something that was possible through Uber and that business was something you were interested in through Maple. So looking at yourself now, you're the CEO of a medtech startup, which in some senses is basically a software company, all without a degree in CS. So how did that all come together? Because I know you started memories before you got into medical school. No, I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think that's a barrier for most folks not having the requisite developing skills. There's a lot of different things that came to mind. One, I had a, a couple friends from different work experiences, like at Uber and Maple, who were developers who I had the opportunity to like essentially run ideas by and understand the feasibility that this is something that would be able to work and learn the lingo. And I think that was fantastic for me early in the days just to understand if I I conceptualize what it is that I want to build. Is this something that can be built? And then if it is, fantastic. I'll pursue funding. I'll find people to be able to build the product with. And I'll do everything else that I'm equipped to do, whether that's building a mission and uh, mission and vision, whether that's working on the business model canvas, understanding what's going to be core to our team, pitching, all sorts of different things associated with that is what I can focus on as well as hiring. So I didn't want that to be a barrier. For me, the decision also came down to, should I put some money and do like a Lighthouse Labs course and learn how to develop, for example, or do something like a Udemy course online and be able to get some of the languages down? Ultimately, I think that was, or that would have been a waste of time because whatever baseline skill I'm able to develop in X period of time isn't going to be as good, nowhere near as somebody who does this full time or who has experience. And whereas for me, I have talents that lie elsewhere. Why not just focus on that and then wait for the right people to come along? So I didn't think of it as a hindrance. I just tried to focus on the things that I was good at and bring on people who were good at different things. Everyone on my team is incredibly talented and in their own space. So for me, it was really, yeah, me not having a computer science degree was never a hindrance. Things moved slower, for sure, because I wasn't able to inherently develop things from the beginning, but that didn't slow us down. For sure. And, you know, now with your MD, MBA and with memories, you're carving out a space for yourself at an intersection of medicine, business and tech. So I know we've sort of talked about them separately, but how do these pieces fit together in your mind and how do you see memories progressing in that way? It's a fantastic question. I think so for me, the 
ultimate piece I think that I've gained over my life thus far is that I truly have varied interests and I don't think I'd ever be satisfied completely doing medicine full-time always or working in business full-time always working in tech in a similar capacity. I have a lot of interest in helping people in as many ways that I can. And I think that's something that drove me towards medicine very early on and understanding the physical direct impact that you can make there, as well as my love for science um, and for the human brain and everything around it. I think there's nothing more fascinating or challenging. And I'll always hold that belief. I think business provides a whole other challenge in terms of problem solving and abstract thinking that perhaps medicine doesn't provide. And it does give you the opportunity to network a lot more, to um, be able to show competence a lot earlier than, let's say, medicine, where you do have to finish a degree in a pathway to be able to be fully taken seriously on that sense. And I think tech provides that opportunity for risk, which I am a fan of, and, and growth and learning where things are changing all of the time. So For me, ultimately, where I see myself progressing down the line is I'm interested in pediatric neurosurgery, something I've always been interested in, and I would love to um, ultimately open up a private practice after I finish residency and work about two to three days on the surgery side, perhaps one day in clinic, and then work on memories or a larger version of the company. We definitely have plans um, to expand into chronic disease management, and I would love to continue to manage. Let's say I work on that for two to three days a week with the rest of the team, and then either do some health tech consulting or some medical teaching. I think that would be the best case scenario for me on how I'd spend a seven-day week. So ultimately, all three things are important and they're foundational to who I am as a person and will be moving forward. And I think it's just about which interest is getting the most time at which part of my life. Gotcha. And I guess that spread will change over time. I mean, depending on what your work is like as a clinician and with memories. Absolutely. Yeah. During residency, for example, most of my time will be shunted towards completing residency and doing well in that field. But ideally, I would have had enough of foundation and team at whatever I'm working on to be able to pick up the pieces. And uh, can, I think execution, delegation, and working with a fantastic team is keys to be able to do a lot of things. And having those processes in place will allow me to do these things and focus on medicine when I need to. And I think, I think now would be, you know, another one of those times for you with you studying for step and having to manage your company. And so I wanted to ask about that. But before getting into that, just to take a step back and talk about the MD MBA program, So I know there are only a couple of those in Canada. And so was that one of the reasons why you decided to apply to the States and attend the program at Tulane? That's a great question. So for me, two things. One, I think time is your greatest resource. And Tulane is the only school in North America that has a functional four-year program. And so I knew I'd had to be in med school for four years and I didn't want to lose any other time. That was one big reason. Two, I want to practice neurosurgery. I'd like to move into private practice. And a lot of highly specialized surgeons in Canada end up moving to the States. I did a lot of research. I know traditionally, uh, maybe things have changed from when I went to, well, when I was in the undergrad in Canada, but pre-med 101 was a huge forum back then that people would search all the time. And I think it's fantastic and incredibly stressful, but it's only beneficial to get into med school, but that's only half of the battle. So a lot of the research I did was in residency forums and like reading reports on how things are going for physicians in Canada. And a lot of specialized physicians moved to the States or ended up doing fellowships in the States and moved into a practice there. Um, where a lot of physicians in Canada and specialized physicians are tenured and the turnover is very slow. So I figured if I was going to be moving, why not get a leg up? Why not be able to match at a program that I would want to stay at in the future, learn the system that I will be working in and then complete my MBA. So that was really what pushed me towards going to Tulane. I looked at a couple programs in Canada. I The good thing is 
they have this early decision program in the states where if you choose one school to apply to you get to find out if you were accepted and it's the same day that canadian medical school applications are due so i drafted my applications for most received um, the offer for tulane and then i think i applied to university of alberta because i think that's a really cool program and they have an md MBA program. So I applied, I interviewed, and ultimately, I think that their focus was more on research in the interview process. And when I was discussing the business interests and stuff that I have, it seemed to click a lot more at Tulane. So I think me coming down here, getting this educational experience, having more exposure to neurosurgery that I think I would have had in Canada, truly, and being able to leverage the MBA and learn from the folks here was a risky move. I think uh, it proves to be challenging every day being somebody who's not from here and having to work through these issues. But I think it was the best move I've ever made. All right. And you mentioned, you know, looking far ahead and looking at residency programs and what you actually want to do while still in undergrad. I think that's a very underrated point. I don't think a lot of people look at that, myself included. They just look at, you know, what school they want to go to or getting into a school. So, you know, that's a very interesting point. And you mentioned that you're looking at pediatric neurosurgery, and I know it's a bit far out, but do you have any idea of whether you're going to be staying in New Orleans or you're looking for programs in a different part of the country? Yeah, and I think just to touch on that point a bit, I think so for me, something that runs central is not having like plans A through D, it's having plans A to Z and understanding anything that can go wrong and being able to be aware of that. So I think that was the thought process for me figuring out outside of med school, what's residency going to be like and et cetera. And I think if you can apply that level of planning and thinking to anything in undergrad, it's incredibly beneficial, whether that's course selection. If you don't get the course that you wanted, even your first couple options, don't be screwed by the system and end up having to do five years because you are switching majors, for example. There's ways around it and you just have to be proactive in how you think. But for me, residency-wise, I'm leaning towards truly, well, let's say the truth, wherever accepts me, for sure, (laughs) I'll be going. It's an incredibly difficult process to match depending on step scores and a lot of other things. Ideally, I would like to live either in the Midwest belt around Chicago, Detroit, Ohio area, so it's close to Toronto, or Houston, or some areas in the South. I think originally I wanted to, I was very heavily considering the coasts, whether that's New York or California, mostly because I travel there frequently. I have friends on both sides. However, the experience for residency in New York isn't one that I've heard is fantastic in terms of competition. And I think that I'm not even going to be experiencing too much of the city. Where's a program that I can go to that really values the things that I'm interested in? So that's what's actually driving a lot of my decision making, which programs have a health tech focus. For example, the University in Madison, Wisconsin program there, they actually, the headquarters of Epic is in that city and they have a large focus on biotech and neurosciences. And if I was to go there, I would have time to be able to work on other ventures and things of this sort. So which program allows me to have the best picture of work-life balance is actually what I'm looking for right now. And also my partner, Kelly, she's a wonderful lady and it really depends on sort of her preferences as well. I think something that I've gained over the last couple of years is an understanding of how important um, it is to make decisions with people that you care about and stuff in mind. I think something that you'll see in undergrad and as individuals progresses, you need to be selfish and you need to focus on decision making to get you where you need to be. But as you get closer and closer to a quote unquote finish line or the life that you want to live, 
I think, understanding that. And work-life balance is a crappy term. I'll be honest. It's more work-life equilibrium. And that's a term that I've stolen from our former um, MBA program director. But I think it's very true because things are going to be focused in different areas. But if the person that you like love and spend time with doesn't want to be in a city, and you're going to be forcing them to live there for X amount of years while you complete residency, that's not the kind of life that you want to live. So I think as you progress into different decision making in your career or in your education, I think understanding who's making the who you need to make decisions for as well is important. All right. And earlier on in the conversation, we spoke about how you went about starting memories. You mentioned that you delegated most of the development work and focused on the other side. And so now that you're in your third year of memories, having started it in 2017, what's that experience of starting a company for the first time been like? You know, how did you quote unquote learn some of the ropes? And I know it's a process and that you continue to learn, but how did you in those early stages learn about what decisions to make and were you in an incubator program? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And yeah, the learning never stops. I think I'm consistently fearful of the things that I don't know. And you'll hear it all of the time from founders, hopefully, that they chat about the sort of the fake it till you make it mentality. I think it's incredibly true. But I also think it's like understanding how daunting the process can be. And I think there's been moments where I've been very keenly aware of the skills that I don't have, you know, but I think outside of that, you're also forget the skills that you do and the competency that you bring. And there is a reason why people do decide to work with you to build a company because they believe in you and the mission that you have. And so I think that's a comfort to have. I think over the first couple months of memories, a lot of it was ideation and interviewing. Me figuring out the ideas mission, and like direction that I think memories can go in the future. And then there was lots of moments where I, I, I currently to this day use AngelList quite frequently to do a lot of hiring. And some of our early team members were folks that we, I had a coffee chat with. I knew were incredibly talented and there was only a small window of time to be able to have them work with us and made offers and have them join the team. And whether And a lot of the early hires weren't in the developing space. They were folks working in strategy and marketing and finance and other places where the company still needs to have expertise and grow. So we did a lot of the ideation, growing and setting the foundation of what memories can be in the future in the early days. And our first major development hires actually happened in 2019. So I think that was around the period of time when things really started to build and move forward on product and getting things forward. But in the meantime, it was like applying to pitch competitions, looking for different avenues to get funding, understanding the space as much as we could. And some key things I would say is I've established a relationship with most undergraduate universities and graduate schools in Canada and the States to be able to send over interns, whether they're in their master's programs looking for practicum placements or undergraduate students looking to work for a couple of months for experience. There's numerous students at Western who reach out every day. One of our, our social strategy and diversity lead is a synthetic biology student at Western, Ramon Brown, and he's a fantastic individual. He's been working with us after reaching out for an internship position. And I think he's interested in an MD MBA program and he's been with us for about almost two years now, or at least a year and a half. So working with undergraduates has actually been quite rewarding, graduate students as well. And I think for me, the skills that I didn't have, my whole approach to all of this is like the answer that you don't know is never an adequate answer. It's that you'll learn and be able to come back to the table with something to offer. So during the period of time where I was working on memories for, let's say, 80 to 100 hours per week, most of that time would be learning. I'd spend as much time as I could reading articles, watching YouTube videos on UX design, understanding base level of finance, marketing, strategy, and development so that one, I could be competent enough in interviews to be able to identify who is a good candidate or not. 
that I could represent the company and demonstrate the full spectrum of our ability to potential investors or programs without us having that done. And me being able to understand trends moving forward, I think so much of a company is your external representation and how well you represent yourself online, working on our website, as well as in conversation. And so a lot of the reason why we were able to attract talent, top talent to our team, I think at some point we had over 18 people working with us and being able to do different programs was because of that ability to communicate the knowledge that I thought was important. So, yeah. And then very recently, we completed the Startup Boost Toronto Accelerator, pre-accelerator. It was like a six-month program, or sorry, six-week program. And it was focusing more on honing down our pitch and redefining our pitch deck as we go into launching in our investment phase. But other than that, it was mostly us grinding as a team. And the other thing to note is because we're a pre-seed company and we aren't funded, most of the things that, like all of the expenses of the company is something that we self-fund. So we try to be incredibly frugal as much as we can. But the majority of folks on the team are working full-time in their uh, field of interest, whether they're like full-time developer somewhere, director of marketing is a different company, and they work part-time with the company. And I think that is a testament to one, how incredibly motivated in our mission these individuals are. And then two explains why sometimes things do move a bit slower in terms of us like executing a launch or doing something because it's the reality of the situation. And I think being comfortable with your own reality is something that's incredibly important to anyone who's founding a company or who is working through that process because you'll see all of these emails of these people raising X, doing XYZ, and you never hear about the people who are failing or who are struggling or what the actual day-to-day experience is. And I think if you're looking for something to compare, you'll always find something. So dealing with that has been huge. And then understanding the roller coaster side of things. There's a win and there's an even bigger loss and there's an even bigger win and et cetera. And I think if you ride that roller coaster, it becomes incredibly draining. And I think there's been times where I've been incredibly burnt out and I've needed to take vacations where like I don't have cell phone access and I just take a moment back to relax. But I think understanding how to see the weights, appreciate it, but stand as a viewer into the roller coaster. Is something that's incredibly good advice, I'd say, that I received from a different founder. I think it was Dustin Walper from Akira that gave me that advice, but yeah. All right, sounds good. And I think this ties in a little bit to what you said earlier about a sort of balance in some ways between memories and medical school right now and how you'd be potentially taking a step back, in a sense, during residency, because that would be your primary focus and then, in a sense, just shifting back and forth. So what I'm getting at is, you know, in your current state now studying for step one, how are you balancing working at memories with your work with medical school and your MBA program? Yeah, I think and I think you're missing a big part of that, too. And that's friendships and other things like how am I balancing that as well? And I think that's something that isn't talked about enough, right, is that there are outside of the work restraints and school restraints, there are different things that you need to maintain as well and putting all of the effort in because each thing is important. And I think for me, Speaking of wellness there, the other side is actually sacrificing that. I think so for an undergraduate, for example, when I was trying to finish in three years, I had seven or eight coffees a day. I had incredibly high blood pressure. I gained a ton of weight. I was having unhealthy habits. However, I did very well in school. I was able to execute on everything that I wanted to do. And that wasn't a sustainable way of living for me moving forward. I decided to do things a little bit differently when I came here. So I think we've mentioned this in an earlier conversation, but how I manage memories time is I've dedicated 
Tuesdays we have our team meetings every other Tuesday, whether that's management or all hands. And Tuesdays have always been memories evenings for me. But otherwise, I very much made a very concrete calendly schedule about time periods that I'm available in the day to do memories meetings, whether that's for hiring, whether that's working on projects or other things. And that's like in the 7.30 to 8 time slot, 4.30, and that lunch, periods where I would be taking a break from studying. And it'd be a good sort of escape from that studying monotony to be able to work on something that I'm interested in. So that's been incredibly clutch for me during step studying, which does does take a lot of time. Otherwise, medical school and the MBA program, it's not incredibly difficult. I think it's just being able to time manage and understand that each year, if you're doing things right in school, you should be getting smarter and smarter and having a larger baseline in each bit of information. So ideally, you are just adding to a foundation that you have instead of relearning concepts. So for me, doing like a renal block in physiology, most of that material we've covered already in undergraduate and going through, but understanding what's new here and how to apply that to the foundation. If you are building this thing properly, it should take less time. And then I think specifically, yes, I think so. I have a fantastic group of friends here in the MD MBA program who are interested in similar things that drive me forward to study. I have a wonderful support group in Toronto, friends who I've worked with, and the Memories Company is incredibly supportive of me. And me doing well in medical school is important to the company moving forward, of course. So I get some support there. People reach out proactively to take things off of my plate, which I really appreciate. And then, yeah, I mentioned my partner, Kelly. She's absolutely fantastic. Taking the time at the end of a workday to go on a date and get out of like the studying and work sort of field is incredibly important. Working on uh, meal prep together, making sure that I'm eating healthy and nutritious meals is something that I've definitely let fall to the wayside in undergraduate. And that's those unhealthy habits isn't something that's sustainable. So I think finding a partner that supports you, supporting them, investing in your friendships and understanding what your limitations are. I, for example, so it's 7.30 my time, or it was when we first started chatting. I wanted to study for a couple more hours before I went to bed last night and work on a memories website redesign. And I realized I would have been working until about 4 a.m. I would have lost today. I'd have been a bit tired. I wouldn't have been as functional during this conversation. And I would have been behind even further in studying. So I said no. And that's something on my schedule that's going to be moving forward. And say lovey. You know, <laughs> some days you're going to execute. Some days you're not. You have to be able to roll with the punches and appreciate that. Gotcha. And just before we start wrapping things up, just a general question in some senses. So, you know, what are some areas, experiences, or just general things that you think undergrads should pay more attention to? This could be like new and growing fields, extracurriculars, anything really. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would always recommend doing first response and campus response. I think it came up numerous times in uh, the interview process for me. I think it was something that gave me a lot of calmness under pressure, which is something that's going to be useful in any field that you work in. So, but things for undergrad, I would say don't pigeon your whole, don't pigeonhole yourself into being a science student. And I think that's a flaw in the programs right now, especially back at U of T when I was there, science courses and business courses ran at the same time. You couldn't attend both, you know, so you really very much had to choose. And I think that was something that I lost in my education was just being able to have that generalist approach. I think it's important to be able to know what you want to do, but don't go into science because you want to go into med school or you want to be a researcher or et cetera. Like this is the only thing that you're going to accomplish. Have a goal in mind, like one of those things, but be flexible and realize that like perhaps that's your end goal, but there may be a topsy-turvy process to get there. So what are things that you can do to equip yourself to succeed in that interim period? 
I think something that it's tough to deal with and is a reality for medical for many students is like the multiple application cycles for a graduate program and what that means to like take a year for an application cycle and what you're going to do, especially when you finish undergrad. And I think if you don't prepare yourself for a situation like that, where you haven't built enough connections, where you don't have enough experience, you may be stuck doing the classic routine, waiting for an application cycle to work out. So I would say it's being incredibly self-aware of your talent set and what you can see for yourself in the future, whether there is a ceiling, whether you're setting one for yourself and how you can exceed that. I think also you have to learn how to be um, smart in undergrad. I think it really doesn't matter what courses you take, truly. I think it's you'll learn for sure if you decide to, but you don't use that knowledge as often as you think you do. But what you do learn is, or what you should, is how to tackle a problem, how to see information for the first time, synthesize that, learn how to convey that message, whether that's in a meeting or convey your knowledge in the form of a test and be able to apply that. I think learning how to write effectively is is incredibly important and being able to time manage the skills that you get from undergrad and that is you are given time as an undergraduate student to learn these skills as much as you're given time to get the knowledge. And I think if you take the experience with that in mind, you'll be a lot more to handle different situations. The a quote that's at the end of my email signature is attendant sorry, intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. And I think that's incredibly true. Nothing more true has ever been said. So I think if you have the ability to build that intelligence where it's fluid, where you aren't crystal and understanding what the cell biology is, you understand that there's going to be things that are changing, that you are competent in a lot of different fields and whatever position you end up interviewing in, whatever place you end up working in, whether that's an undergraduate or that's on your path to something greater, if you're able to demonstrate that intelligence by being adaptable, you'll succeed. And not to be preachy, but find a mentor, <laughs> find a mentor, appreciate their time, work with them and learn from other people. Just on that note really quickly, do you have any sort of tips for finding a mentor? It's mentioned a lot and it sort of seems a bit abstract. So is there anything specific that you'd suggest? I mean, people reach out all of the time on LinkedIn for like coffee chats and stuff like that. And I think like that's great in different fields. I think like it's not really the norm in the science field to do something like that. I think it is in the business field where people do that and you're able to demonstrate your competence and get some information and perhaps a foot into a different door. So I would recommend science students do that, whether that's LinkedIn or different programs. I was never a fan of office hours, truly. I, I think that was a weird setting where people would go in and just be able to show teachers how much they know <laughs> in a weird setting. However, what I was a fan of is looking at the faculty at my school, what research that they're doing, and if they publish something new, reading it and sending them an email with my thoughts. That's something that I do frequently. And that opened up a lot of doors for me where I was able to attend different like weekly science meetings and, and contribute and, and things of the sort. And I think that's a different way to do things. And I think that once you get your foot in the door of any lab or any situation, any networking event, any club, do not put the bare minimum in. I think that's the biggest disservice that you can do. If you have the opportunity to get to know other people in the lab, to learn from them, to attend other events, that's your way to be exposed to other people. And then you may find somebody who you really want to learn from or have them be a mentor and be incredibly clear with them. Say something like uh, along the lines of, I really am uh, impressed by where you are in your career right now. This is something that I'd like to see myself going. If you have any feedback for me or are willing to be a mentor of some sort to me, I would greatly appreciate that. Be clear with that request so that people can be clear if they have the time to be able to do that. Not a lot of people do. 
people are quite busy and they'll be able to, if you're transparent with them, they may be able to say yes or no, or I can recommend you to somebody who I think really does have a lot of time right now or is interested in mentorship and would be a great fit for you. But put yourself in that situation and be clear about your intentions. All right. So two pieces of advice you've given so far are never putting in the bare minimum and how intelligence is the ability to adapt to change and how that's important in the undergrad setting. So just as a final piece, what advice would you have for students in science? You know, could be along those lines or anything else, really. And maybe something more focused for students looking to attend an MD, MBA program. Sure. General feedback, I would say, is I mean, you'll never know enough. It's incredibly difficult to be the smartest person in every room when you're taking an exam, but you should always try to feel comfortable when you take an exam, I would say. I think what I mean by that is always the goal on any exam or any sort of test should be to go for above 100. So if you fall, you fall close to it. That's something that I've always said and think, and that's not the reality in terms of my performance, I'll be honest, but I think... if you hold yourself to a standard where you're trying to do as best as possible when you're preparing, I think that's, in, don't don't focus on averages. Don't look at the class average. Don't look at anything other than how best can I learn this information. So when I finish this course, I've gotten everything that I can from it. I'm paying for this course. I want to get everything that I can. I think that's good general advice to have because I think it's very easy for you to, for like students to fall into the, I just need to pass this, or like, this is something that I just need to get through and I won't use the information. You never know if you're going to use the information. You don't know what percentage difference that's going to make in your GPA and things like that matter. And I think general advice for MD, MBA programs, okay, there's a, they're different. It's definitely a different experience in med school. I would say even a part of med schools and your hunt and search for that, understand how that medical school fits into the community that they're in what the actual value that they provide is to them and what opportunities that hospital system has, what research they do, if they're an incredibly primary care or emergency care focused program and that's something you're interested in, go to that program and rank that higher than other programs in your thought process. Spend your time understanding their faculty and doing things that would fit their profile more than others. Don't be a generalist in your medical school application because it's the same people that end up interviewing at a lot of different places. And if you don't have like If you haven't built enough of a repertoire of skills to be able to get there and experiences that fit with each med school, you're never going to get an interview. And the same people will keep interviewing year over year and end up choosing. So understand what each med school can offer and what you can offer them. And I think for the MD, MBA programs, you have to realize that it's going to be a grind. Like, absolutely, you're doing two full graduate degree programs. So you really have to be motivated to get your MBA or a separate master's, whatever the dual degree program is. And I think finding out personally what it is that you want to do in the future that'll keep you motivated whether it is that you want to work on a health tech company or you want to run a business and do medicine part-time or other things like that be take some time to really understand what this degree is going to get you because that will come across in an interview where people won't see that this was just a transient decision that you made and this is something to fill your time this is a large part of your decision making and you see yourself going in this direction and i think once you identify that It'll be very easy to choose what program you want because each program has different faculty, different experiences that you can actually leverage and and see which will make the most sense for you. So actually, my ultimate piece of feedback here is spend as much time as you can learning about yourself, what what your ceiling is, what your ceiling, your setting for yourself is, and what you're interested in is I spend at least an hour every day just on introspection and like going through decisions that I've made and thinking through future and past and understanding what's motivating me and that makes it incredibly easy for me to decide what is a good move for me or not 
And the earlier that you start that, the more equipped you'll be to make decisions that support yourself long term. All right, perfect. Thanks again, Rashawn, so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Of course, thank you for having me. Good luck in undergrad for all the students listening. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Spindle. If you have any questions for the Spindle team or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us through the form in the show description. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at Spindle Podcast or on our website, spindlepodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, We'd appreciate if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again. See you next time.